Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. If you're able, would you stand, please, for the reading of God's Word? That day, when evening came, he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of God. And you may be seated. From this passage this morning, I'll preach from the title, Fear and Faith. Fear and Faith. It's a common story. Some of you at least will have heard this story before from the gospel. I wonder what would it have been like to have been on that sinking boat with Jesus on the lake that evening? Mark places this incident early in his gospel, but already the disciples had witnessed Jesus driving out demons and healing people. Already they had seen the crowds grow as their teacher's reputation quickly spread through the region of Galilee. Have you ever found yourself in a stressful or frightening situation with someone you know really well, only to find an entirely new side of that person's personality under the pressure of that circumstance. In a way, this is what the disciples experienced on the Sea of Galilee, and they were terrified by what they learned about Jesus when he calmed the storm. There's a lot of fear in this passage. First, a fear provoked by the storm, and then a fear provoked by Jesus' power over the storm. We don't particularly like fear, do we? Unlike some of you, I don't even like scary movies because my adrenaline will be pumping the rest of the night and I'm not going to sleep at all. But fear is normal. It's a regular, inescapable part of life. Even those who maybe assumed that their wealth could insulate them from fear have found over the past 15 months that there is no place to completely hide from the things that make us afraid. But what we might be a little slower to notice is that fear is also a normal part of the life of faith. 
the disciples' first fear came from the storm. One of those inevitable circumstances that would have provoked fear in the bravest of us. But their second moment of fear came not from their circumstances, but from Jesus himself. And this is a categorically different kind of fear. This is a holy reverence, what the scriptures call the fear of the Lord. This is a new fear before the one they thought they knew. And I think there's a lesson in this second fear for us today. So here's my big idea. Righteous fear grows belief into faith. Righteous fear grows belief into faith. Now, when I say that, I don't mean to downplay belief. Belief is incredibly important. It's important to Jesus. To the blind man, Jesus asks, do you believe that I am able to do this? To those who are mourning the death of Jairus' daughter, Jesus says, don't be afraid, just believe. In John chapter 6 and 47, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Belief matters. Many of the disciples on that day in the boat, they believed in Jesus. And many, most of us today, believe in Jesus as well. Maybe it'll help to think a little bit about what belief is, what it looks like. There's a, a story in Matthew chapter 11 where John the Baptist was imprisoned. And Matthew tells us that when he heard about the deeds of the Messiah, that is Jesus... He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John believed in Jesus. John believed certain things about Jesus. John believed that Jesus was going to do and act in a certain kind of way. And when Jesus didn't match those beliefs, John got confused. Scholar James Fowler writes about having belief. That it, quote, arises out of the effort to translate experiences of and relation to transcendence into concepts or propositions. Translating our experience of the, of the, of the transcendent into propositions and concepts. When somebody asks you, what do you believe? You, you have a, a list of things to tell them to describe your beliefs. As Christian people, we believe, for example, that there is one creator God. We believe that we are captive to sin and in need of rescue and redemption. We believe that God took on flesh in the incarnation. We believe that our salvation comes through grace and by faith. We could go on. Our beliefs matter. They are incredibly important. They are important because when our beliefs are off, we get confused like John. John got confused because what he believed about the Messiah was different than what the Messiah was actually doing. So again, remember the big idea. Relig uh, righteous fear grows belief into faith. Righteous fear grows belief into faith. It's not that there is something wrong with belief. Belief is essential. As we see from Jesus himself, what we believe about Jesus leads us to the eternal, abundant life. The problem is not with belief itself. The problem comes when we mistake what we believe with who we have placed our faith in. 
James Fowler again says about faith. Faith involves an alignment of the heart or will, a commitment of loyalty and trust, loyalty and trust. So if belief is about concepts and propositions, things that we can describe, things that we can articulate, faith is relational. Faith has to do with relationship. The disciples believed in Jesus. They had seen Jesus do some things that confirmed their expectations. They had heard some teachings that they had uh, interpreted to to affirm their interpretations. They followed Jesus because what they believed about Jesus. But had their belief matured into faith? Maybe not. Maybe not, because in the middle of the storm, they wake up Jesus, and what do they ask him? What's their question? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And and what is it that they say after Jesus has calmed the storm? Who is this? I'm not sure they really knew Jesus yet. I'm not sure their belief had matured into faith. How about us? Again, my assumption is that most of us today believe in Jesus. Most of us could articulate certain things that we think are true about Jesus. But then we find ourselves in the boat with Jesus. We find ourselves in the boat with Jesus in a storm, a a tragedy, an, an unfulfilled desire, a season of doubt or languishment. Belief is necessary, but belief is not enough. The disciples believed. But when the storm came, they started questioning Jesus's very character. Don't you care if we drown? Are you good? Do you love us? Are you righteous? This first fear, the fear in the storm, provoked that doubting question. Again, fear is normal. Some of these disciples were fishermen. They had been in storms before. They had been afraid before. This was different. This was a furious squall. Another way of translating this passage is that their boat was already filling up. They were already going down. This wasn't a, are we going to make it or not situation. This is a, we are not going to make it. It's clear what's going to happen next. We are going down. We are drowning. How many of us have been afraid recently? What is the squall in your life? Where is it that your boat is already filling up? I'm going down. Fear grows belief into faith. We need to be precise here because it's not the fear provoked by the storm that grows the disciples' belief into faith. In fact, this fear, that first fear, led them to some pretty shadowy places of despair and cynicism. It's all over. You never actually cared about us. 
But there's a second fear. In verse 41, Mark tells us, they were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They, they were more afraid when the storm stopped than when they found themselves in the middle of the storm. Uh, a, a, a maybe very kind of clunky and literal way of translating this verse would be, they were fearing great fear. Mark is at pains to show us just how terrified the disciples were. He wants us to understand that they were more afraid after the storm than they were in the storm. Jesus acknowledged that the, the storm provoked fear. Why are you afraid? But the real fear didn't come from the wind and the waves and the sinking boat. The real fear, the transformative fear, came from seeing Jesus calm the storm. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. This is when belief starts to mature into faith. This is when belief starts to grow into faith. How? Well, for the disciples, in that moment, when Jesus calmed the storm with a word, they started to see more clearly who they were actually in relationship with. This is not who we thought it was. You are not who we thought you were. Faith is relational, remember. And so the more accurately that the disciples could see Jesus, the more their faith could grow. As long as they were in a delusion about who Jesus was and what Jesus was like, their faith was limited. But once they could see more clearly that Jesus was who he was, their faith could begin to grow. This is not just a good teacher. This is not just a powerful healer. This is, now, they probably couldn't say yet who Jesus really was. They could at least say who he wasn't. They could at least say he was more than what they thought he was. And in that moment, their faith begins to grow. They also discover that Jesus is not going to conform to their expectations or to their agendas. Jesus wasn't about doing what they thought he should do. Jesus was not particularly interested in meeting their expectations of him. Can we say it more personally? Jesus is not particularly interested in meeting your expectations for him. Jesus was going to be more than that, bigger than that, more powerful than that. And so in this, the disciples are beginning to sense the reverence the awe, the worship that Jesus deserved. Again, this is a different kind of fear. This is not a circumstantial fear. This is not a fear provoked by the storm. This is a righteous fear, the fear of the Lord. And that is the kind of fear which can mature us, can grow us, can lead us more deeply into faith. This is the kind of fear which allows us to realize that we have been engaging Jesus mostly through a set of beliefs. Important beliefs, but inadequate beliefs. This is the kind of fear which brings us to an end of ourselves when we can't pretend any longer to be in control. 
This is the kind of fear which brings us to the very edge of our rationality, of our ability to explain or articulate. This is the kind of fear that brings us into a kind of mysticism before our God. Where there is far more that cannot be said than that can be said. Are you with me still? This is what Howard Thurman describes as the experience of encountering that which is direct, overwhelming, and ineffable. It is what remains when all externals are stripped away and the individual has a naked exposure at their deepest level to something that envelops them and stands them at attention. This is faith. all well and good, but it, for me, provokes a question about what we can do about that. Is this something we can choose? Can we choose this kind of righteous fear which grows our faith? Could the disciples, for example, have created that terrible moment when they were brought to an end of themselves in the presence of God? I think the answer is no. No, we don't get to choose how God confronts us. We don't get to choose how God reveals God's self to us because we don't get to manipulate God. The righteous fear which grows belief into faith is never one of our own making. It chooses us. He chooses us. We will always be surprised by this kind of righteous and holy awe. It will always take us aback. But this does not mean that there is nothing that we can do. This does not mean that we have no agency in growing our belief into faith. The key to understanding our role is to see the relationship between the first fear and the second fear. The first circumstantial fear, the fear provoked by the storm, and the second fear, the the fear of the Lord. You see, the disciples chose to get in the boat with Jesus. And we shouldn't take that for granted. Because the Gospel of John tells us that there were plenty of followers who would not have gotten in the boat with Jesus. That there were a lot of Jesus' followers who at some point said, this is too much. You are too much. This is too frightening, too different, too strange. This is not meeting my plan for my life. I'm out. So the fact that the disciples got in the boat with Jesus ought to be notable for us. They had already faced opposition. The religious leaders were already against them. They had already seen demons coming out of people. And that would have been enough for some people to say, nope, I'm out. The disciples chose to get in the boat with Jesus. And in that boat, they found themselves in a situation where they could not rescue themselves. They could not save themselves. In the boat with Jesus, Jesus had to act. Jesus had to reveal himself in a way which led to that second fear. The holy trembling fear of the Lord. And the disciples would go on to get in other boats with Jesus as well. 
saying yes to Jesus as he invited them into other circumstances that would once again bring them to an end of themselves. The realization that God alone could be in control. They would once again allow themselves to be placed in situations where they would encounter that first fear, that circumstantial fear where God had to come through. You and I can never cause God to act in a way that provokes that righteous fear. But what we can do is follow Jesus into the boat. What we can do is follow Jesus into the frightening circumstance that he is calling us to, into the situation where we will need more than belief, where we will need God to be God and not simply a manifestation of our beliefs. Can I say that again? Where God will be God and not simply a manifestation of our beliefs. There is, of course, still belief on the other side of righteous fear. There are still things we can say about Jesus. But there is more than belief on the other side of righteous fear. There is faith, deep, vital faith, sustained by a relationship with the untamable God. So to the beliefs that we can articulate about our Lord is added the chastened question, who is this? When the storm swept over their boat, I imagine that the disciples, if you had asked them, would have thought that this was going to be the most frightening thing they would experience all day. Some of them would have said, this is the most frightening thing I'm going to experience the rest of my life because my life's going to last about five more minutes. And yet it wasn't the most frightening thing they would face. It was actually what happened after the storm. When the wind stopped. When the waves were calmed by simply a word by their creator. This is when the real encounter with fear came, but it was a different kind of fear. It was a generative fear. It was a, a life-giving fear. It was a worshipful encounter with God. You could say it this way. It wasn't what was happening outside of the boat that drove them to their knees. It was the presence of Jesus with them in the boat, which drove them to worship. And so I want to ask you this morning, and I'm actually going to give us a couple of minutes to think about what boat Jesus is inviting you to join him in. What boat is Jesus inviting you to join him in? There is a maturing, a deepening, a growing from belief into faith that is available to every one of us. A faith that causes the inevitable fears we will face in this life to shrink 
to their proper size. A faith that moves us beyond desiring what God can do for us to simply desiring God. And this gift of a nurturing, growing faith comes through the experience of that holy reverence and righteous fear. I could be wrong, but my hunch is that there is a boat, you understand what I mean when I say a boat, that Jesus is inviting every single one of us into today. That's what Jesus is like. Always inviting us to go deeper, to go farther, to know more of his faithfulness. And so, so, so for some of us, it's very relational in nature, right? It has to do with a friendship that needs reconciliation. But the very idea of reconciliation provokes so much anxiety in you. It provokes so many bad memories in you that you've written off the possibility of ever pursuing reconciliation. For some of us, it's, it's, it's a marriage where we just assume, well, this is just as good as it's going to get. And I'm too scared to try to go deeper for fear of experiencing where we've been before. For others of us, uh, God has been very clear in his invitation of, of how he wants us to spend our working days of what he's asking us to give our vocational selves to. And, and yet there is a fear in, how will I make enough money doing that? There's a fear in, my parents didn't work that hard for me to do that. There's a fear in, what would the people I went to school with think if I gave myself to that? And so even though God's been very clear... We've yet to take steps. What is the boat that Jesus is inviting you to step into with him today? For some of us, there's places of, of healing. We, we're aware to some extent of, of, of places of, of brokenness and dis-ease in our lives. But we've contented ourselves with the idea that, well, this is just always how it's going to be because addressing those places of brokenness would mean going back in our mind and our hearts to places that were so traumatizing. It just feels like it's too much. I could go on. I hope you get the idea. But my conviction is that Jesus is inviting every one of us into the boat with him in some way. To step into that place of circumstantial fear, where we will quickly be brought to an end of ourselves. I can't rescue myself. I can't heal myself. I can't save myself. Where we will need to see God be God. Where Jesus will do what only Jesus can do. Where the Spirit will move in the way that only the Spirit can move. And we will be brought to an end of ourselves in that beautiful, holy fear and reverence of our God. We say amen if you're tracking with me. So we're doing good on time. So I'm going to give us a few minutes to literally just kind of sit in quiet reflection and prayer. Would you be willing to ask yourself, Jesus... What boat are you inviting me into? Some of you are like, I already know. 
and this is super uncomfortable for me right now. Because <laughs> I've done pretty good at tuning it out. So maybe your prayer is more about Jesus. What would the next step into that boat look like? Okay? So let's reflect and pray quietly. And then we'll close our time praying for each other. So if you are uh, newer to our church, uh, one of uh, one of the parts of our culture is that we believe that we don't follow Jesus on our own. Amen? And we follow Jesus together and, we, and that we, we need one another in the in the life of faith. And so what I want to do, uh, and I'm going to ask Jasmine to, to come on up. She's going to pray here in a second. What I want to do is ask that if... Um, if you have any sense that Jesus is inviting you into the boat to take a step in some way in this life of faith, we want to pray for you today. So I'm going to ask that you just stand right where you are, if that's you, and Jasmine's going to come up here. Oh, you thought I meant over there. No, I mean up here. And she's going to pray for you. So go ahead and stand up if that's you, if you have any sense that Jesus is calling you into the boat uh, with him. Just stand up where you are, please. Jasmine's going to pray, and the rest of you are going to look around, and you're going to extend your hand in blessing towards those who are standing near you. Uh, you're going to, you're, you're cheering them on in prayer. You're saying you're not doing this by yourself. You're not following Jesus by yourself. You're not taking this step that can feel very scary and very overwhelming. Not only is God with you, but, but, but the people of God are with you as well. Amen? Amen. So, Jasmine, come on up and, and, and pray for these folks and the rest of us, wherever you are, stay seated, but just extend your hand in blessing, please, to anybody near you uh, who is standing for prayer. Holy Spirit, we come to you today because we, are, we have come to the end of ourselves. We come to you because you are our rescue. And you are our deliverance. And so, God, for everyone that is standing, even those who maybe have not stood, dear Lord, in regards to the call that you would put on their heart, in regards to the next step that you would have them to take, dear Lord, I just pray that you would give us courage, yes. dear Lord, yes. that you would fill us with um, just the ability to move beyond um, our fear. Um, and the fear that is not as, as great as you, that could never be as big as you are, dear Lord. And so, God, we just come to you today asking you to do what only you can do, asking you to touch us and move us in ways that we are very uncomfortable with, in ways that we don't want to be touched, that we have probably been avoiding or ignoring the touch from you, oh God. And so I just pray that you would um, fill us with your reverence, dear Lord remind us of how big you are and how small you know whatever obstacle or whatever challenge um, that we are facing really is in comparison to you um fill us up with your um with your just help us to be obedient to what you are calling us to do um and lord just give us joy in it too do it let it be surprising how you know just doing what you want us to do because you're a good God and you're a good father who gives good gifts so whatever you are calling us to is going to be for our benefit is going to help us to to thrive and to flourish so help us to understand that dear Lord and help us to stand on that and to just remain connected to you in all that we are doing dear Lord so that we can become the people that you have called us to be 
Dear Lord, be with us this week. Speak to us this week. Dear Lord, make it abundantly clear what you would have us to do and the next steps that we should take, dear Lord. And I pray that we would just be courageous. It's in your mighty, mighty name that we pray. Amen.